Nine Yards. True that. Again. Yes. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you come back and want to hear our words and phrases. <laughs> Shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Makes it nice. Thanks, everybody. Otherwise, we're just, you know, Ray and I are just sitting here talking. Talking to ourselves. Yeah, nobody's listening. Not most, yeah. That's just normal. Well, uh, yeah. We don't record that. No, it's just... <laughs> we have an umbrella this week, though. That is really something. We're, we're, we, we, we've gotten away from umbrellas. Sure, for sometimes sometimes we forget. Sometimes we don't have one. Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be food again. I like guess we said we'll have several of similar episodes, but we, more food idioms. Yeah, we, we've done a food or two. I mean, food's going to come up. At sure, time. we've got lots of them. We uh, commune around food, so it's very big in our heritage. Sure. Yeah. Big apple. We started out with food. Yeah. <laughs> All that. Humble pie. Yeah. It is not deep purple. No. Or not the hoople. It is humble pie. Yeah. Yeah. Whole different band. <laughs> Listen back to our first episode. <laughs> no, it's like uh, it's one of the early ones. It's though. early. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's first. When we were still in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So food one, and yeah. I'll get us started if you don't mind. I do not mind one bit. What's your foodium? Well, it's not food to me, but food to somebody yes. is um, cooked your goose. Ah, yes. Or your go- I would think of it as your goose is cooked. Yes, your right? goose is cooked. Yeah. If I said that to you, why am I saying that? What does that mean to you? It means, I mean, I'm, I'm, you've won. It's over. I have lost. My goose has lost. <laughs> I'm the goose and I have lost. How's that? <laughs> I, it's all, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it often, I think it happens to you too, you know, we think we're using the idiom correctly. Yeah. And then you dig into it and go, I, I, well, I don't even use that right. That's not even what this means. There's a, a very specific one that I learned this year, yeah, that I've been using wrong. Or not, I'd never used it because I didn't understand it, and I finally learned out what it was, yeah. We'll uh, do that one, and I want to say it. Okay. Yeah. There's but no, yes, I know. plenty that I've, I've yes, misused, we've done, and I've sure. said... So I don't know that this is one of them per se. I don't know that I use this a lot, but yeah. uh, it is one, and I think people still use it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's got it's got some odd pieces to it. So buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not one of our craziest ones, but it's uh, it's got some color. Well, half buckle. Yeah, you know, go crazy. Don't use the, put the shoulder strap behind your back. I'll put like one arm through. Yeah. All right. Uh, we see uh, as early as 1830s for the main idea of it. Do his goose for him and cook his goose as well as goose is cooked. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you really tried to cram that goose into this one, huh? Yeah. You know, our our, our British friends. But Wait, that's, all one, that's not all one quote, or that is one quote. Are you giving several phrases? Of no, that's several phrases. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was all one. I apologize. But, uh, you know, goose is cooked, do his goose for him, and, and cook his goose. Gotcha. Goose is cooked. See, I only say goose is cooked, but uh, if I'm going to say that. I've never said, I'm going to cook your goose, I don't think. Yeah, right, me either. Goose is cooked. That makes, I, yeah. But again, that's a rare, a tea. 
1847, uh, we see we see it in print with uh, a, a lot more clear uh, sort of feeling to it. This is uh, William Henry Gregory. Ah. What the hell? What's his, who's the, is he a sir? Uh, he's gotten William Henry doesn't seem to be a sir at the time of this writing. Wow. Uh, Scraps and Sketches of Irish Life, 1847. Okay. And the excerpt is as such. I rather think, friend Sandy, said Smith, looking cheerfully back at the bedroom as he turned the corner. Oh, huh. my, my. I rather think, to use a figurative expression, your goose is cooked. <laughs> my, my. I know. So that seems colorful right that away. It's very colorful. I want to know more. Yes. About that. So you'll have to... Um, Read that book. Yeah. You could find Scraps and Sketches of Irish Life by William Henry Gregory, pre forty seven, pre sir, pre sir, pre knighthood. Well, well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I try to keep it moving, but sure. damn, I, no, I get you know I want to go down one. roads. That's a side road, though. Yeah, I did not expect that. No, who who did? Yeah. Now, th- let me say, there are two stories. That people, uh, and I say people, uh, and I mean some of them are, are honest to goodness lexicographers, and excellent. They teach us well, uh, but you you can't just count on them, and you mm-hmm. got you got to dig other resources. Yeah. And, and and this is one of those examples why. Although when we come out of this, uh, anyway, your head you, you might still go, geez, what. All right, I'm buckling back up. And let me say, there is no proven etymology for this. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, people love it and really think, geez, Jay, why won't you accept this? This is it. Okay. This fellow, John Huss, H-U-S, okay. um, he was a Czech reformer in... 1415. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess because he was a reformer, you know, he's one of those one of those fellows that gets himself into trouble with monarchies and the like. <laughs> um, Stuff being an activist. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a dangerous life. Yeah. And so he had done some uh, writing that upset uh, some. Uh, people in control of things. Mm-hmm. And the people in control of things invited him over. Oh. And he knew this was bad. Oh, good. But he went anyway. Gotta go. Yeah. And they uh, burned him. <sighs> sure. And they burned him up. Yeah. And it is said <laughs> that his last name is... Hus, H-U-S. Okay. I looked, I, I got the, yeah. you know, I got the little speaker. Nice. From many different places. Yeah, to get their pronunciation. Tried. Sure. Um, it is said that this name mm-hmm. means goose, but I cannot find that in yeah. any, no translator. I don't know. I need like a Czechoslovakian person goose does this get in a dialect maybe yeah mm-hmm. so <laughs> i don't know uh, so this story i mean 1415 yeah you know wow. what i'm saying sure 
And I mean, I guess you could have heard it. Someone could have said, and you heard, heard goose on the street. What do you mean? Like someone said, we just cooked that guy. We did, but but then so here's the thing. We just cooked goose, and someone said, "You cooked a goose," and there, and there it goes. <laughs> well, but remember, 1830, 1847. Remember our, yeah. our good friend William Henry Gregory is the first writing. So you're yeah. gonna tell me, yeah. in 1415 we invented this phrase, <laughs> but nobody wrote it down for 400 years. <laughs> I mean, but that's cool. It sounds silly when you say it that way. Yeah. Sure. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, no one wrote it down for 400 years. <laughs> <laughs> Were we out of ink? You know what? I'll remember. Don't, I don't need to take a note. I'll remember. Don't worry. We'll just use I'll remember it, it in language, but we won't write it anywhere. It's so much effort to write. So... Fast forward a couple hundred years from our, our poor friend, uh, yes. John Hughes. There's another story right. that also is a great favorite of our friends, and it also comes in several permutations. This is about a uh, 17th century, I believe, kind of early 17th century, uh, Swedish king, Eric, right. Eric the Mad, oh. some call him all right how many people did he cook and eat <laughs> well the, here's this the there's several ways this story comes about all right this eric the mad a king swedish king guy mm-hmm. i guess he was out you know uh, ravaging and pillaging and burning or whatever yes now one version of the story is that this one town that uh, eric and his uh, army go past had hung out a goose now there are people who say they hung out the goose mm-hmm. to say don't worry about us we have enough food i don't know why why but maybe in the 1600s you would do such a thing as this yeah. another version of the story though is that a goose was synonymous with stupidity and that the townspeople were poking fun at Eric uh, by hanging out this goose. Mm-hmm. And then there are two different versions of what Eric's reaction to this goose was. Oh. In one version of the story, it is that Eric burned the goose, mm-hmm. cooked the goose, so to speak. And that began the expression starting in that town Uh our goose is cooked. It's cooked. The other hmm. version, which comes up more regularly, is that he set the town on fire mm-hmm. out of anger. Mm-hmm. Still, then, the goose, being a part of the town, right. was also cooked. It had been cooked in the fire. Yeah. As fires do. Yeah. Right? So, however, it's, um, gee. Well, the records were destroyed in that fire. Here's the problem. Yeah, because... Like, not all, but we do come across this. These records of this battle and our friend Eric or John Hiss, they're, you know, word of mouthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't give you footnotes on where they came from. Yeah. So. Just like, we believe this around this time happened sort of this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one is odd, but I like it the most. Cool. 
although here again, so mid 1800s, which is which is kind of some lexicographers would say. Tossing it around now. <laughs> yeah, you gotta nice. use it. Yeah, it's too soon. Remember, eighteen forty-seven. Our friend knighted, not knighted. Yeah, you know, I'm never hissed in an audience. You know, you boo, right? We boo, but yeah, but people hiss. Yeah, you hear it happen. I guess. And I guess they used to hiss more back in the day. I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, when was the day, by the way? But that's for another time. Nineteen twenty-three. Uh so. They would hiss at you, and then uh, you know if you they didn't like your play or whatever mm-hmm. you were doing there. Yeah, and it was known by the actors as a goose is in the house, and yeah. then if you did well, um, hmm. you would say the goose is cooked. Yeah, yeah, right. That's nice. And then there was no goose in that house, or that goose can't hiss anymore because yeah, right. we we killed it. Well, yeah. You're right? Yeah. It's yeah. very lovely. I like it. Yeah, I like that too. Um a a, a lot more than our 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 Czech martyr or Eric the Mad. Yeah. But y- you dear listener <laughs> be uh the judge because no one else is going to be apparently. This is as, this is as close as we can get to facts on this. So Nice. That cooks my goose. Well, I am going to spill the beans on my phrase. Oh. Which is spill the beans. Yeah. And uh, I sort of have it loosely defined as uh, telling secrets, or telling tales, specifically secrets. Yeah. yeah. Give information. What do you think? What yeah, you- get, get somebody to uh, divulge some stuff. Divulge is very... Uh, that's a very good f- word you use. <laughs> Let's hang on to that. Sure, you could have that. Well, well, I mean, I don't need. I don't need to keep it. No, I'm just saying. Let's hang on to that one. <laughs> um, so, like we said, there's the definitions that are, are elegant and you know have a meaningful tug at our human emotions, which is nice. No, yeah. the lore, as as I like to call it. Um, so the lore of this points us in the direction of ancient Greece. But the Greeks, they used to vote. And in fact, if you don't know, they, they, the Greece is technically the, I guess you'd call it the birthplace of our modern democracies. Really, it was like kind of the first place to, to get voices from the people. Yeah. In a, you know, They're um, living in a society here. Right. So the legend goes uh, that they derived a system of voting based around beans. Not based around beans, utilizing beans. Um, white beans would indicate positive votes, and black beans would indicate negative votes. Why wouldn't you just have a different bean for each of the parties, and then you'd, everyone would get one of each bean? I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know. It depends. Then on the you'd election, bring your bean to the to right, the bean jar bean. keeper. How many how many reddish brown beans do we have? Yeah. All right. How many red beans do we have? All right, how many light red beans do we have? Yeah, well, yeah. you're going to get, you know, <laughs> I mean, because it's nature's pigment. You right. don't really get to choose the no. stark differentiation of color. You'd have to get them. I do like red beans and rice, though. Sure. But it's I a, digress. It's a staple. It's yeah. all we need. Beans and rice and some green vegetables. Yeah, some greens in there. Um, so, 
the beans were cast, uh, votes were cast in an opaque jar, uh, and then the vote collector would, you know, collect them or whatever and be in charge of manning the jar. Uh, and if that person uh, either had to count the beans at the end or inadvertently knocked the jar over, uh, they would have spilled the beans. And in some cases, some folks said that uh, unanimous votes were required, so spilling a bean before the vote was cast would spoil the vote, essentially, because you would know if someone dissented, you know. Well, a unanimous, a unanimous vote being required must have been more in, like, their congressional kind of thing. It couldn't have been for a candidate from the people. Uh, I don't know what they were intending in this, in this specific instance. All right, I didn't mean to open a can of beans. No, I'm happy to open that can. No, I mean... But that's just, not the time. No. No. Um, but anyway, I, I think folks do believe this bean story of casting a vote is kind of a, a way, in a token way, not, not actual beans. Um, but this, you know, lovely story is not really proven to link to this phrase at yeah. all. You know. Because this phrase doesn't actually enter our language until the 1900s. Spill the beans, that is. Till the 1900s? Yeah, 1902. All right. And this idiom seems to be centered or at least uh, founded around horse racing. Another horse racing one. Come on, we just had a horse with the, with the goat. Right, another goat one, and also, what was the one, what did I do recently with the horses? With the goat. Well, that one, yeah, there was another one that was actually, oh, the Charlie horse. Oh, yeah, Charlie horse. But that one's more, anyway. um, The, uh, looks like a first use of print is 1902, uh, the St. Louis Republic, talking about horse racing, um, and, and they're using it to mean causing an upset, I guess, um, this horse was not slated to win the race and then ended up winning the race. And the quote at the end is, so the beans were spilled, as in saying, that horse upset the race. It was uh, not expected. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not really. Where did the beans get there? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, how, do, how do the beans get in the horse racing in the first place? Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. They spilled the beans. Uh, it's like because of an upset. The thing is, is what we learn is that the beans are inconsequential. You know what I mean? Like we get to sometimes. the The spilling is the important part. Yeah. the The beans are just a flavor of said spilling that someone decided to use. It doesn't take long to get to the secret kind of phrase. Uh, Nineteen eleven. The Van Wert Daily Bulletin uh, has it meaning more of a secret giving. Finally, Secretary Fisher of the President's Cabinet, who had just returned from a trip to Alaska, was called by Governor Stubbs to the front and proceeded, as one writer says, to spill the beans. <laughs> so he's telling some secrets about what he was just up to. Um, but yeah, like, like you said at the beginning, divulge. And that's kind of the the crux like spill has sort of meant divulge or been a, a synonym for divulge uh since what i the oed says is uh 1574 
the is that the old English? That is well, the old English dictionary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So it's saying that the well, the quote is it's in old English, so I'm doing my best. Yeah. Although it be a shame to spill it, I will not leave to say that which his friends have said unto me. I will not. I don't know if it's leave. I will not leave to say which his friends have said unto me. Saying. What's it mean? You know, he doesn't, some, he doesn't want to tell tales out of school. He doesn't want to spill the beans. All right. It would be a shame to spill it because his friends told him something secret. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. Read that again? I think. Although it be a shame to spill it, I will not uh, leave. Lee, L-E-A-U-E. What does that directly say? Those letters, L-E-L. Because that's how the old English works. You have to read it as it says. But yeah. All right. He's saying that it would be a shame to spill. Sure. Divulge what his friends had said unto him. Okay. That's what the the crux is. So yeah, the the beans are kind of inconsequential. Um, We get the spill your guts. We do get spill Spill your your guts. guts. Yeah, spill your guts, same thing. I mean, not clearly not the same thing, but same idea metaphorically exactly i'm throwing up the truth yeah you're spilling something inside you're spilling a secret you're spilling Mm. something they you're you're letting loose something you've had inside yeah yeah so the the spill the divulge is really the the key got it to it and the the beans are just the colorful thing that happened in 1902 horse racing divulge yeah it's a direct one oh that is pretty direct although not People argue with the Greek the Grecian origin is uh is real. And again, I, I don't doubt that those things might have happened, but there's no evidence that links the phrase. Like our Croatian martyr martyr. Right. You'd think you know, they were uh, who knows. Yeah. You'd hope they'd write it down. They'd wrote all kinds of stuff down. Well, but also it was it was, you know, on sc- scrolls or or yeah. very uh, volatile books. You know, how many times, you, like, you tossed out all your books for digital? Yeah. You know, what yeah. if now, we, you know, 400 years from now, we're like, didn't we have a, I don't know. We don't we, I mean, a- they lost all those scrolls in Alexandria, in the, the fire in, one of, in Egypt way back then. Right. So, yeah, we lost all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That we will never have. Probably records of everything we're researching, I would imagine. Damn it, they would yeah. have been so helpful. It would have been just nice. To have what, some, yeah. If only the ancients would have hoarded more. Guys, build some fireproof stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Rocks? Yeah, what, they what had got? rocks. Yeah, rocks. <laughs> yeah. All so right. I, I've, I've successfully spilled the beans. I've told tales on that one. Oh, that was, that was, uh, not nothing. I, it makes me picture jelly beans, of course. Oh, nice. And, and, um, they, and they they probably still do because why wouldn't you right haven't i seen this even just in recent times just for fun because you could like you you have a jar of jelly beans and and the customers have to guess sure and then you win a thing if you guess the beans right it's a nice uh thing to have on your entryway just kind of have like a little icebreaker people like oh look at that i don't know i'll throw a guess in there and then I, then you get email addresses, and you can sell those email addresses. Oh yeah, for well, money. That's, sure, that's a whole other. But it 
if they get spilled, they're countable, right? That's was what the yeah postulated same thing. If you're counting the beans, or if you accidentally knock them over, either way, you have spilled the beans. If you're counting them, you've certainly spilled them. But yeah, so you know how how they do the the stories. They're nice. We like our brain likes it. We we also enjoy hearing that stuff because it's like oh that's that's sweet. It would be cool that if it came from from that, and it, it, you know it's certainly possible. Like you said, no one wrote it down for several hundred years. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's no direct evidence linking us to that. The Grecian voting in the beans. It's more just of a, a spill in a divulge sense. <laughs> ah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, divulge some secrets of deals. Support Whole Nine Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand-selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clemenemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clemenemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. Uh, hey, hello. Back from the break. Yes. And things happen. While we went on break. Um, yeah. But, but we won't talk about those right now. No. Foodstuffs are what we're talking about. Yes. And I have another foodstuff. This one is simple. Okay. But um, it has a twist to it that I didn't expect. When I was given this one, I thought, well, this is going to be like out of the blue. It's going to be pretty yeah, basic. Right. And it is, okay. except a twist. A twist. All right? right? Yeah. So what do we it's, got? Oh, I'm sorry. It's couch potato. Ah, couch potato. Yeah. Okay. And, and and as an idiom, you go, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a guy on a couch, and then he's uh, there for so long, is, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's got butt roots, and then uh, you know, he's a potato. He grows a new potato, but it has a little more color to it, oh. and it also has a a damn exact date stamp on it, <laughs> which is a unique. Okay, yeah. so 
So here we go. Ha. Um, now, first in print, albeit in um, 1979 is what I'm getting. Huh. But first use, July 15, 1976. Okay. Yeah. So this fellow, Tom Lachino, now he he calls his girlfriend, and at his girlfriend's house is his other friend, Robert Armstrong. Okay. And so he calls his girlfriend, and just off the top of his head, when she answers, he says, Hey, is the couch potato still there? And she looked over uh, at the couch and 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 started laughing, you yeah. know? Okay. And so they laughed about this, and so Robert Armstrong got in on the joke that he was being called a couch potato. Yeah. But his friend Robert Armstrong was a cartoonist. So he found it funny and always looking for material, as cartoonists might be, Mm -hmm. says to his buddy Tom Lachino, hey, can I use that? And and Tom says, yeah, 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 sure. You can use it. Yeah, you you can can use it. it. So... (laughs) He uses it. All right. He he creates this comic strip, The Couch Potatoes. Okay. All right. And one thing they do to promote this whole thing, uh, there's some parade that happens. There's a doo-dah parade, it's called. And these guys get in the parade and, and make a float that is uh, The Couch Potatoes. <laughs> nice. So the, the one thing I'm leaving out is... These guys, and, and you know, really, Lachino is the guy that comes up with the phrase. He's the one that keeps coming up with stuff. Armstrong sees, he just snags it, I guess, you know, and does the thing. But I don't know. You don't know these guys. Uh, but they also had a fun little thing going on, apparently, um, just sort of counter to the California fitness craze at the time. So they called themselves uh, the boob tubers. <laughs> and nice. they their whole shtick was we, we just sit and watch, eat junk food and watch television. Mm-hmm. So, and then so the couch potatoes um, for Armstrong is a natural, you know, extension of that kind of thing. Once he gets that term handed to him there, so mm-hmm. they had the boob tubers, and um, then the then he had the couch potatoes, and and Armstrong took it. Uh, like all over, you know, trying to capitalize on this thing. You know, he had a, they had a, the Tuber's Voice, the Couch Potatoes newsletter. I'd like to find a copy of that on eBay, maybe. <laughs> um, and he also tried to trademark Couch Potato. Um, oh. But it sort of got out there. And, you know, I, I don't know how this works, but. Um, he tried to sue some newspapers for using it in their yeah. uh, s- stuff. And the and the law basically came back and said it is too far permeated into, how they put it, the sheer ubiquity of the phrase in media and print meant it could no longer claim, they could no longer mm. claim exclusivity to it. Like it got out. Yeah, it's so widely used. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah, so you had it as a thing, maybe, but it became... Should have trademarked it back then, buddy. 
Well, I think he did fairly early. This was like 1979. It oh. just got away from him fast. Yeah. Um, so that is where Couch Potato came from. Huh. And the short and concise, direct and absolute positive etymology of it. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, staying on foodstuffs, what do you have? Uh, I have bun in the oven. Oh. Yeah. We've used this. I mean, I, people use this. People do use it. I'm sure I've said it. It's, it's a phrase that people say. This idiom, uh, just implies that a a female is, is carrying a child. Inside, carrying a, a fetus inside of her, I guess, technically. <laughs> the aforementioned bun, bun humanoid. Yeah. Right, yes. It's not done. It's still in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you can take this one kind of literally and it makes sense on its face. When you when you bake a a bun or a roll or whatever, it, it grows in the oven, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a baker per se, but me I've baked those Pillsbury things. I hate the feeling of flour on my hands. Really? Yeah, it's a bad feeling. Huh. But, yeah, I think it's just an analogy. You you have the, you started, you put the got thing in ingredients. there. Now yeah. we got to wait. Now, right, exactly. Now you gotta, you're got you baking it. It's Turn wrong. over your timer, dial your timer. Yeah. It's, uh, and then, you know, also implies the, the womb is, is, you know, would be warm. You'd, you'd imply that as, as like an oven would be warm. Right. Yeah, like an oven. That's so very similar. Um, and the the OED has this phrase. Yeah, you know me. That's how we do. Originating in 1951 uh, from a work called "The Cruel Sea" by Nicholas Montserrat. Uh, it is a referency. Well, it is a referency. What? That's. Not, I mean, that's that's. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reference to pregnancy as a character, uh, essentially. Huh. He uses it twice in the novel. One time referring to a character who is pregnant, and, and then another time uh, they're kind of making fun of the character who used it first, the bun in the oven phrase. Um, and so that's kind of where the mystery ends for some folks. They paid, they paid their money, they got the little ride around the bakery, and they got off the ride. Yeah, it's a really short ride. But well, I wasn't satisfied with that. No. So I, you know, I, how could you be? I kept on looking. I mean, I not that I wasn't. I mean, it, there are. It does sort of end, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. What else? What else do you need? You're like, there's, there it is. Obviously, come on. Um, but the works of Beaumont and Fletcher, uh, 1611. There's a a very 1611. 1611. There's a very direct passage uh, about how if a woman has had enough uh, shoving and that she, if she's not careful, she'll end up with a cake in her belly. Oh. It's a very direct passage. I didn't want to, you know. No. Uh, Shoving, though. I mean, wow. Um, (laughs) Tell them again about the shoving. Exactly. Uh, So that's 1611 uh, cake in her belly. So it's not. Yeah. But it's not. You know, no, that different. It's it's a similar similar vibe. Uh, I I came across an Italian phrase uh, that I'm going to try, and I really should have asked somebody. Uh, Nihas fornato un altro, uh, which is literally she has taken another one out of the oven, and this is apparently said uh, in connection with with women that you may have feel have too many children. Ah, <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> that's uh, a sort of um. 
judgmental. Right. If you if you personally feel uh, someone may or may not have too many children, you might use that phrase. Still the digging, though. And we're going to, it's going to get more lewd. Oh. I mean, not lewd. I won't be lewd, but I'm just taking us where we go. You know, lollygag got that way a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I didn't expect. No. Um, I guess some of this this information from a dictionary of sexual language and imagery in Shakespearean and Stuart literature. Holy crap. Yeah. We need that for our library. I think we definitely need that on the shelf. Um, but they have the word bun slash bunny uh, as a euphemism for vagina. Oh, stop. Yeah. Uh, there's what is it, the, the 1720s song uh, with the line. Yeah, it's not a crude song. I mean, it's a whatever. They're singing about <laughs> this, people may have a bit of your bunny to pleasure them in your beds. I mean, I'm not gonna. Oh, jeez. I, I know. Um, but I, I would have thought the <clears throat> the oven would be the well, that that unit. Here comes the next paragraph. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and the word "oven" is also an old-time euphemism for vagina as well. I mean, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, I also thought that. Um, in an article for American Speech, uh, Beryl Rowland has described the expression as a colloquial use of an ancient folk metaphor with roots in classical times. That's <laughs> uh, apparently, um, yeah. yeah. And this quote is about Zeus, uh, the ancient god such as Zeus. This is from the uh, the Roland uh, American speech. The ancient gods such as Zeus were conceived as millers and their consorts as mills. The human race was the product they ground and baked, and on a terrestrial scale, man and woman performed similar functions. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, but in there it's more, um, you know, mythy. mythy. Yeah, sure. Mythical, right. Or mythy. Mythy. It's a little mythy. Um, hit or myth. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. That went to a place. They, apparently, the, the song, Bun, I mean, they're, they're, it's soldiers singing around. Yeah. I was not uh, prepared. But. Right. But, I mean, uh, you know, now in, in modern pop music, there, there. We've there's no more rules, oh, yeah. so you just say anything. Sure, I mean but, the same sounds like the same thing. Well, no, they same had they bunnies. made clever little <laughs> words that meant those things, so that they could sing uh, them out loud no while marching. No one's yelling the vagina part. Gotcha. Right, you're just saying oven. Yeah, <laughs> bunny. Yeah, but you know what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So this. Uh, the, the the idea of, of this womb oven connection has been around for uh, seeming like forever in our culture anyway. Uh, so it's not really like a plausible place to find a time and place of origin. But <laughs> no, because it's yeah. an, obvi- it's it's an right. obvious um, analogy. Exactly. As soon as you knew what an oven was. Right. So maybe the oven the the idiom drove the bun bunny usage. Maybe like the you know what I mean. The bun yeah. in the oven drove the the seventeen twenties usage of being more. If yeah. we had a time machine and I were a betting man, I'd say, yeah. You got to be careful. Plus that time machine thing. But time doesn't work that way. I know. All time is now, right? right? And like we know, if you go into your past, that can't be your, like, that's your future now. You can't right. change your old 
past with your new future. Well, you can, but you create a new future. Right. It's a whole new path you've made. You, got you, didn't, the, you, you didn't muck up. Biff the, stole the time machine and made a tangential 1985. You got to go back to that point when he gave he gave the book to young Biff. That's Back to the Future too. You don't know that, do you? No. Man. I mean, yeah. I, there's a lot of those things that I, I missed. Yeah. But we digress. Wow. Yeah, that took us away. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks indeed. <laughs> and uh, I have no idea. I don't know if we did the things. Yeah. yeah. We'll say we did. Yeah. All right. And everybody's great, and you're great. I'm great. You're Thank great. you very much. Thanks. And I'm Jay also. I'm Ray. And we're, <laughs> we're not, not idioms. idioms. <laughs> Full Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music. 